0: Hello and welcome to Super Excited with Stefan Roost. I'm Mike, the facilitator of this podcast. In this episode, Stefan talks to Amory Sechet. Amory Sechet made his first big splash in Cryptoland as a lead developer on Bitcoin Cash and then as a lead on Bitcoin ABC, which morphed into eCash, his current project. Realizing the vision of the legendary Milton Friedman, eCash is taking financial freedom to a level never seen before. With eCash, sending money is now as simple as sending an email. In this episode, Stefan and Amory discuss P2P electronic cash, DeFi and financial innovation, the lack of financial education out there, and building in bear markets. Enjoy this episode.
1: Good to good to see you. Glad we could catch up again and. Yeah. Um, learn, learn uh, about what you're up to, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. been you've been in Bitcoin really early on. You got into uh, you were a core developer. Um, you helped uh, structure Bitcoin Cash mm-hmm. um, and grow that code base uh, under ABC. And you're now working on eCash, right? I mean, yeah. another uh, derivative. And and you know what I was always impressed by you you and and what you were working on was just really getting into the nitty-gritty of the Bitcoin code base, right? And, and trying to rewrite that whole code base, build out a modern programming language off the back of what has been built with Bitcoin. And so, yeah, great to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and, and more about what you're up to, Omri.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Yeah um no it's really good so where where are you at with
1: eCash? how's that coming along
2: um well it's actually going along fine uh we've launched earlier this year uh the avalanche consensus algorithm so that was yeah. that was the project that was also the project on on bch actually uh yeah but, um it it took much longer than I expected mostly not for technical reason but mostly for you know political reason and various Resources. other um well resources is part of it but also like a bunch of people pulling in different direction um you know makes it much more difficult when people don't pull in the same direction <laughs> to, to go anywhere right uh which i guess is the price that you pay to have some decentralization uh it's, it's not as efficient so it took us quite some time to get there but uh now we're finally finally there. Um, so what does that bring us? That bring us much more security on the network, which is fairly important because we are a minority chain. I think uh, other minority fork of Bitcoin, they need to get a bit worried now, uh, considering the percentage that they have. When we were in the, maybe I'm I'm getting too much into the weed now, but it's let's say it's it's getting us uh, right now a much higher level of security, uh, basically. If you get your transaction mined in the block, you can consider it final. There are not going to be any reorg or whatsoever. But the node the node can tell you when the block is finalized by avalanche. But it typically takes less than two seconds, right? So it's confirmed in one block. You're good to go. Which is, I mean, always unique. At, yeah, yeah. It's it's always been a problem on Bitcoin light system that you know you need to wait for six confirmation and blah 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 and And if you're a minority fork, you may potentially want to wait for even longer because the hash rate is not as high. So that always has been a pain point. And now we're working on making that work at the transaction level. Um, So the the first version that we rolled out only works for blocks. So you still have to wait about 10 minutes for your transaction to be finalized. And we're working on making the same work on every single transaction. So you would make a transaction and within two seconds, you would know if the transaction is final or not. Yeah, just to put that into perspective, right? I mean, for maybe
1: some of the listeners as well, on the Bitcoin Core ecosystem, they needed to create the Lightning Network, a layer two network in order to get fast finality. And then all of the verification happened subsequently on the blockchain. What Omri has been working on is really how do I build that on the layer one on the blockchain mm. and get fast finality in two seconds. So faster than a credit card, right? Yeah. Um and 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 that is super impressive. Um all but, on a decentralized was, basis.
2: It's it's interesting that you bring credit card because the um, like the timing that we looked at, you know, when when you start doing something, I think many people Uh, proceed the other around like they're like okay oh good can we make that stuff but really you want to you want to decide like what is your limit you know Uh, because it's it's gonna constrain the design space that you want to explore or not and so we looked at uh, data from uh, payment processors that were like basically if you do it in more than three seconds people think that the experience is bad and if it if it last more than five seconds then people start thinking that oh maybe you know it did not go through or they start thinking that it's broken right it's Um, broken so so we were like okay well if this is the way people think about it then our hard limit is is three seconds right like if we do more than three seconds then people are gonna think that the experience is degraded so like right away there is a bunch of approach that you can throw away out of the windows because um they they will never get anywhere close could... to, to to 3 seconds and that led us to use the, the avalanche consensus algorithm which typically converge in less than 2 seconds so that was um that was a good choice
1: so uh, walk
2: back maybe in the
1: avalanche mm-hmm. pre consensus algorithm right we and this is nothing to do. Well, it has something to do with the Avalanche blockchain. I mean, but um, maybe walk back. You know, sort of what is uh, you you promote you you were talking about it. I think in at some conference you were starting to talk about this in 2016 or 2015, as early back as back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was and and you also. I mean, yeah, I mean, Goon was there as well, also sort of supporting it and and working it how, how is that different to what avalanche is talking about right now and what they're trying to do
2: yeah so avalanche, avalanche is I avalanche the blockchain <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, let's let's call it avax right like this is what most people yeah. call it Otherwise, it gets a bit a bit confusing um, avalanche is a consensus algorithm and just like nakamoto consensus is and just like you have many blockchain that use nakamoto consensus like uh, bitcoin yep. bitcoin cash litecoin uh, dash And a bunch of others, they use the Nakamoto consensus. Monero. Monero as well, yes. Um, Well, Avalanche is another consensus algorithm. And in the same way, you can build several systems that leverage that consensus algorithm. Uh, And Avax is one of them, probably the the first one, I think, that that used that system. And uh, we are probably the second one to leverage it. So... The main difference with Avax is that Avax they use exclusively the Avalanche consensus algorithm. And it comes with some trade-off. Um, notably that you cannot have a trustless bootstrap. Right? You need to have some trusted party that tells you, Hey, here is what the state of the system is right now, and then you can continue to operate in a in a decentralized and trustless manner, but you cannot bootstrap yourself in a trusted manner in that network um are also problem with liveness so when the network made a decision you have no track record because you don't have a blockchain in the traditional sense um like you have with bitcoin that is protected by proof of work and so you cannot go over all that history and verify that you know the consensus algorithm was run adequately over time. you just have to trust you know like if you are not their life participating in it, you need to trust that everybody is, is doing the right thing. You don't really have a, have a way to to verify that. So we're not so happy with um, with making that trade-off. and so we decided to just not making uh, making it at all right like eCash is still a derivative of Bitcoin. It still have the the Natam- Nakamoto consensus algorithm in it. Yep. And it provides all those properties that you can bootstrap in a trustless manner by following, you know, the longest chain and, you know, all those stuff probably people are already familiar with. But yep. we use Avalanche to provide an extra layer on top of it that provides additional feature, right? So I told you, you can connect to the eCash network and completely ignore the Avalanche part of it. And you're going to get properties that are similar to Bitcoin. but if you decide to run like a more modern client that understands the avalanche consensus, then you get finalities for your block, um, and and when we get there, you're gonna get finality for your transactions. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing.
1: I think you know the finality for transactions is really what the end user experiences, as well as the retail mm-hmm. merchant. Right? I mean, that's what they they really care about to build out this peer-to-peer electronic cash system. Which, which, yeah,
2: yeah, is the more important one, and something that is interesting is that it, it's not so much more difficult than doing it for block. It's like roughly the same thing. Uh, the main difference is is volume, yeah. right? You have one block every ten minutes, so because because you just have one block every ten minutes then there are a bunch of factors that don't enter into the equation. Like what if someone starts submitting millions of transactions or do you under the load and all of that? Well, someone is not going to submit millions of blocks because they are expensive to produce. So there yep. is, you know, part of the design space is simpler when you do it on blocks. And this is why we started doing that. But um, uh, essentially, this is the same problem on, on transactions. Uh, just there is a question of volume additionally. So it shouldn't, uh, yeah. shouldn't take the same kind of... Um, you know, it shouldn't take as long as it did it's for... It's the same heavy lifting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much... Let's say it's much easier to go from doing it on block to do it on block and transaction than it is to not doing it and and go do it on blocks. Yeah. That makes sense. And like that first is, step is like the the most difficult one to take. So getting the pre-consensus in the blocks
1: themselves... And then the transactions in the blocks is the next layer down and should be easier to get done. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. it should not take years like it it did for blocks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that it's, you know, not only is that going to provide a better user experience on the sort of uh, blockchain consensus, sort of a Bitcoin consensus model or Nakamoto uh, consensus model, but I think the other thing that that you've always been toying with is, you know, as a core developer, right, how do you get rewarded for all the work that you do? And we've been um, in the past, our workings together was how do we reward and incentivize developers to continuously build on a programming language mm-hmm. that is, you know, as a software engineer, you're not receiving the same benefits as a miner, for example, right? Right. Um, the miner gets the rewards how does that get shared between all the different participants and it's basically the miners that then get to decide how to best implement the software
2: improvements uh, well but one of the problems is that the miners they are in competition with each other so they have actually yeah. very little they have very little headroom to actually do that yeah yeah so what we ended up doing is that there is a part of the block reward that goes to a fund for developers. Um, yeah. And we, we're not the first one to do that. Like Zcash did something similar and, and Dash. Similar, and, right. And a few others. So it's not yeah, it's not something that is particularly new, but it's something that I've proved to work. And, and it, it's been providing a, you know, much more stable source of revenue to keep the work going on. So that's... Yeah. I mean, Dash did it a lot for the marketing purposes,
1: right? So they really wanted to market Dash mm-hmm. out there and, and get it as a payment mechanism. Um, and they had these ambassador networks, didn't they? They had these sort of embassies or something. I can't remember what they called them, but these different types of <laughs> um, market, yeah, that they would reward, incentivize to go acquire merchants or... Uh, help promote the adoption, get wallets installed and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure that the way Dash did it is so great. Like when you looked at how much they spent on that and how much they got out of it, it seems fairly inefficient. Um, yeah. But that was one of the first one to do it as well, right? So you would expect that the first one doesn't figure it out, all of it right away. Um, yeah. I think one of the problems with Dash is like the incentives are just not quite right because the people the people making the decision are gonna be people running masternodes and uh, many of them they are not really involved in the results, right? And so they don't really so so as a result you have a lot of um, communication that gets rewarded more than actual, you know, actual impact on the ground. Yeah, and I mean, it's setting up this model, right, where
1: there are some of the mining reward gets automatically allocated towards a pool, which then gets distributed to a developer community. It was pretty controversial and, in mm-hmm. fact, you know, sort of led to a lot of resistance. There was a big constituent that really didn't like that model, right? They called it a tax or um, whatever. How, how do you feel is it working out now? I mean, now you've launched with eCash, you've set that in, in place, do you feel that's that's you're you're happy with the outcome in terms of how it's working? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, what was happening is like in the BCH ecosystem. In the yeah. beginning, we could actually build stuff, but at some point, it be, everything becomes so political that you know you would spend a good amount of your time and energy trying to under like political problems more than actually build anything, and. You know, that has been very damageable to the BCH ecosystem as a whole. And and you see that today, like, um, uh, I don't know, like BCH is not doing so good. Like, it's actually barely, it's, it's barely higher in terms of valuation than eCash. Um, when basically at some point we were like, okay, you guys can keep like most of the ecosystem, uh, but we're just not willing to continue working in those conditions anymore. And we went our own way, um, we should be worse like a fraction of what BCH is. And and the fact that we are competing in the same league now is, I mean, like really worrying for BCH because the the most difficult part in growing those stuff is growing the ecosystem, right? Um, There is is a network effect there that is a bit difficult to bootstrap. So the fact that BCH was able to keep most of the ecosystem and still end up at the same place as we are Maybe like slightly higher, but you know, in the same, let's say, in the same league as as we are, is um, for me it's very worrying. Um, also disappointing. Like some people think, I wanted, I wanted bad things for BCH or whatever to happen, which is, I mean, it's completely stupid. It's it's clearly people that have never built anything in their life that would think that way like when you've built something and invested several years of your life building it you don't want it to fail but you also need to yeah. look at it objectively and objectively it's not doing good considering you know like I mean it's accepted by PayPal and you know like the, the the level of support in the ecosystem for BCH is huge it should be a top 10 coin the fact that it's not is is a huge failure of the community and and the current leadership of the coin, I think. Yeah, you know, so, I mean,
1: rather than going into that, I mean, you know, I think there were definitely a significant amount of changes at BCH. And, um, you know, I think there are still a lot of diehards that are are working on it and, and trying to build on it. But I mean, when you set up eCash, I mean, it's about a year and a half. When, mm-hmm. did you, when did you sort of, yeah, about a year and a half old now, right? And it's like, um, and, and it seems that you're sort of, I, I mean, I guess you're pretty happy with the progress. Yeah. Um, and, and, and where do you see sort of the future of eCash? Where would you like eCash to go? And I know you're a really big builder, um and, and and I mean yeah, yeah. so the thing where, that where, yeah, yeah. what are the opportunities and prospects and the, wh- the thing
2: that if, I would want to see is uh we have this idea of creating subnets. Yeah. Uh, so so there's been a problem, there have been something that people have been trying to build with Bitcoin for quite some time. It's uh the idea of sidechain or drive chain, or like there are many variations of that idea that have been proposed over the year and they never quite work because so the general idea is what the general idea is that you can take some coin from the main chain and put them into some other system that have different rules and at some point you can bring them back in, in the main system. And those other systems they don't depend on the core developer and they can you know evolve in, in any direction. And that would be a space where people could create many of those and try to innovate and you know see what works and what doesn't. <laughs> and and the problem with bitcoin like system is that we can do we know to do most of that except the part where you bring back the coin on the main chain nakamoto consensus just like people have never figured out the way to do it with nakamoto consensus and i was about to say it's impossible maybe it's not uh it's always dangerous to say it's impossible but it's been 14 years now and nobody has been able to figure it out, right? Uh, so let's say if it's not impossible, it's it's at least very, very difficult. And it's very, 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 very difficult. And it's very speculative if it's, it's possible at all, right? So, uh, but because we don't use exclusively in Consensus, we use Avalanche as well. With Avalanche, uh, this reverse um, reverse peg is not too difficult to do. And so... Now, what does it mean? That means that, oh, maybe you can create a subsystem with an EVM that works more like Ethereum than it does like Bitcoin and people could, you know, move some e-cash in there and use smart contracts and whatnot. Or you can do one with zero-knowledge technology where people can do transactions that are completely opaque. Or you can do, like, the whole point is that you can do one that have any kind of rules. So we don't know what ideas people are going to come up tomorrow. Um, But... But we know that we can create a subnet that, you know, if those ID gets traction, we can create a subnet that uh, that leverage them. And I think it's very exciting, right? Because one of the main problems of the whole crypto space is that when you want to innovate on the technological level, you always find yourself at some point where you have to mess with the consensus rule of the system. And now everybody has to upgrade at the same time. This is an upgrade process that's going to take months. Um, and you need to be extremely careful because any bug in there is going to have like very dire consequences. Um, so so innovating this way is actually very slow, very difficult. And to the contrary, you'd want people to be able to try stuff, um, launch them very quickly, see if they work or not right away. So, so having... A space to do that, I think, is is extremely important. Uh, so, 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 just to to sort of translate
1: that maybe a little bit is is basically you see that the opportunity with eCash and using the Nakamoto consensus as a base layer would enable subnets to be built on top of let's say that base layer similar to what avalanche is doing with the different chains or what Mm -hmm. cosmos has been doing and what polkadot and their parachains have been trying to do and in this case you can actually build and level and leverage the bitcoin capabilities that ecash provides um, as well as then building on top of that, you could create a subnet that has zk capabilities, or you know, sort of anonymity capabilities. You could have another subnet that has EVM capabilities, mm-hmm. etc. Right? Yeah, and, exactly. And, right, and and, okay. and you're
2: not that all the example that you brought up our old system that don't work with Nakamoto consensus. They all have a different form of consensus. Yep. Like Cosmos, for instance, uh, doesn't use, you know, traditional mining Nakamoto consensus. It uses this, its this own stuff. Um, so, so all Polkadot's the PRA, AVAX, uh, AVAX yeah. also have, have those different chains that can interact with each other. So yep. when you, and, and because we deploy Avalanche, we can, we can do similar things. Uh, so yeah i I think that's probably the most exciting part um i think it's probably the most at least for the long and is that
1: and is that sort of where you sort of see a large portion of that um developer fund being allocated towards developers that may want to support building out such a subnet or do you see that uh, or you know in the future as well
2: yeah if people have promising subnet ids we should definitely fund that yeah
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Like
2: the way the way yeah. the developer fund is structured right now is like it's half and half. Half goes to the core team. So yeah. it's going to be like the or team. <laughs> and half of it goes to fund project um, in, in the ecosystem. And this also half, you know, like recently we funded the project called Chronic, which provides an indexer. So <laughs> indexing on Bitcoin as a... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's something like there are many, many half-fast solutions, effectively, right? right? And but there is no good one, and on a regular basis, someone is like, okay, we're gonna build a new one, and it, it kind of ended up being half-fast as well, and now we have like one more half-fast solution for indexing. And I think the main the main issue there is that we should do indexing in the node software. Like people always try to strap something on top of the node to do the indexing. And It doesn't quite work uh this way like let's say it's way more difficult to do it this way in a reliable manner and this is what you see when you use them is that it's difficult to keep them reliable um so there was this guy uh tobias rock who wanted to build an indexer and so we were like okay well if you are willing to merge it into the Node software and have tests for it and stuff like that so that people can maintain it, then uh, we're going to fund you to do it. And and so we did that and now we have an indexer uh, that is available for everybody to use. And I think this is is much better. This is a kind of situation that is much better than what you get with other Bitcoin flavor chains.
1: Interesting. Yeah, no, that's... um... I mean yeah indexing is 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 obviously pretty important and being able to see what's been going on across the chain and and what sort of type of transactions are happening yeah, so but it's
2: it's true but one thing that people don't realize it's not useful for the node itself yeah. like the node don't need that to verify the consensus rules which maybe is a bit surprising but any kind of useful application <laughs> need that Uh, If you want to build a wallet software or a payment processor or whatever, like any one of those will need that. And, And so we are in this weird situation where everybody, almost everybody in the ecosystem need that except the people working on the node and validation of the chain and stuff like that. And as a result, it's never been merged into the node itself because for regular operation of the node, it's not needed. And as a result, like everybody has been peppering over that you know try to have a system that talk with the node and goes back and forth and try to figure out what is you know going on in there and build an index based on that but invariably you know um it the node and that other indexer get out of sync or something like that and like the maintenance effort that people go through to maintain those indexers is actually pretty high um something that maybe users don't realize but You've worked at Bitcoin.com, I think, and you probably realize that for the wallet, for instance, and, you know, the indexer. It's pretty important. Yeah, well, not only it's pretty important, but it's going to break sometime and people need to go there and fix it. Like it, it. It takes a fair amount of attention and work to actually keep those things running smoothly um, over time. They, yeah, they don't run sort of themselves, to, to, let's say, like a web server. You know, no. you can set up a web server and you know it, it runs through it, runs, you don't really need to do very much of anything, but it's really not the case for indexers, they need to be babysitted a lot to work properly. Yeah, and so getting
1: the indexes correct, I mean, there are a number of different companies that are actually just focusing on indexing a lot of the transactions on the various blockchains, right? Um, mm-hmm. There are special chains that actually do that um, and spend all their time to aggregate that type of information together. Um, but I mean, just on that note, right? I mean, it's, it's also really important for dApps to either build out using indexers and then incorporating some of the capabilities to provide data to the indexers as well right so it's it's a it's always a bit of a two-way street right um and especially in in projects like DeFi, and i know you know a lot of um institutions have been sort of a bit or um chains and, and maybe you as well a bit at the beginning have been very resistant to DeFi and what is decentralized finance um and and sort of you know if you look at defi and to me why I really am excited about defi is the fact that it really just provides another decentralization of the whole financial system and to me it's having a new financial system in place where people can opt in if you don't like it stay away but it's more transparent it's more insightful than what you get from the existing system today and how do we allow for innovation on that and if the exists and the cost benefit Ratio is far greater than the costs that you have of running a CFI business. And so, how do you see, you know, DeFi working with eCash? Is that something that you're open to? um You know, sort of, uh, are you still
2: pretty skeptical about DeFi
1: and where DeFi can go?
2: No. So, what I've been thinking since the beginning about DeFi and that has not really changed is that. Well, in there you have like ninety percent of scams, and you have like ten percent of uh, very interesting things going on. And I guess it's like the nature when you bootstrap something new is the nature. Like you know, at the beginning people are very naive and they fall into all kind of trap. And you know, at some point there is a bit of an immune system that builds into people. You know, they're they're like, oh, I've seen that before, and it was you know, <laughs> it was fishy the first time. This is probably fishy as well, right? Like, um, yeah. yeah. Like things like Luna, for instance, are probably not gonna. Well, they're probably gonna happen again, but you know, like less and less over time. Like people are gonna learn eventually, you know. And and at some point where you're gonna have something similar to Luna that came up, people are gonna be like, "Hey, you know, like it has happened a few times in the past. Usually, those kind of projects that are not very bad. So you should stay away from that." So, but that's a culture that takes some time to to build, right? And I think one of the problems we have in traditional finance is that we try to protect people from that through like regulation and uh, customer protection and whatnot, but as a result, people never build that immune system, right? They, they become very naive and then when something, you know, when the regulator misses something or whatnot, uh, it, it gets really big and, and it gets really bad very fast. So. It's a bit more messy to, you know, let it happen, but I think it's it's beneficial in the long term. So anyway, on, on um, I'm not against it. It's a natural part of the process. Um, I think if we want to make that very successful on eCache, we are going to need an EVM subnet because uh, EVM is like de facto language of yeah, this yeah. ecosystem, right? Yeah. Uh, we can argue that it's the best or not, but, you know, it's, it's like it's the de facto it's, standard. It's, so you kind of have to... You want to be successful That's, in that space you're gonna have to have an evm involved somewhere you know it's kind of like javascript no, 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 no. it's the language of the web everybody is bitching about it because many mistakes have been made but it's supported by every browser you're not gonna get everybody to install a new browser you know from one day to the next so it is yeah. what it is and you get to work with it and the evm is a bit the same like there are some design decisions in there that are questionable but uh it, it runs, you know, it runs the DeFi ecosystem now. So you get to, you got to have it. Yeah, so I think
1: you're saying that basically in DeFi, you find there are some really cool protocols and really interesting projects that have evolved. And there are also a lot of, you know, crap projects or, or projects that are scams and, and rug pulls have happened. Yeah. Um, but, but the valuable projects are the ones that are really providing contribution and have allowed for the ethereum ecosystem particularly and the evm to really prosper and grow by taking those sort of lending protocols the decentralized exchanges the automated market makers and maybe even to a certain extent nfts have allowed to extend beyond just ethereum platform onto all these other evms and how could an evm subnet on ecash possibly
2: prosper by supporting some of these DeFi type models, um, yeah, I mean, is... I think if we support an EVM on on Ecash and EVM soon, it's beneficial for Ecash, obviously, but it's also beneficial for the rest of of the ecosystem because what is beneficial in DeFi is being able to interconnect those different stuff and be able to, uh you know, like build things to the next level. Um, in that way, it's not really the chain itself; it's or, or the token itself, it's the ability. Okay, I can borrow that token and you know invest in that thing, or build that new application, or whatnot, um, or or build that new token, or do this and that and the other. Like there are many things that people are doing on there, but really the the benefit is having all those systems that can talk to each other and that can be plugged into each other. So, and anything that you had in there benefit both parties. Um, yeah people that are looking at it like we need to have like we need to concentrate on the ecosystem in our private garden i think are looking at it wrong yeah yeah no i mean i think you know in the end
1: it's about distribution right and and where are users going and how do i get the users to participate and engage where is their wealth that's locked up and maybe not earning any yield could they be interested in yield or not and if they are how can we provide the right kind of solution to offer up um, an opportunity to earn rewards with minimal risk right the higher the reward obviously the risk the higher the risk
2: yeah this is yeah exactly this is why it was a bit scary in in the previous um, you know in the previous bull market people were like okay you have the solution that have you know, 20, 30, 50% API or whatever, right? And it's like, well, if you are getting this kind of API, it means that you are <laughs> taking a significant <laughs> risk. Um, because like, you know, regular market return are like typically less than 10% in, you know, yeah. like if you can find a traditional market investment that gets you 10% return, you're performing the market quite a bit. So... Like 20% is like super super <laughs> super super high. Um, so you know, and you see that a lot of people in the ecosystem they were not really educated about those ideas, and this is why they fell into those traps. But eventually they are gonna they are gonna be educated, right? Because those those concepts they are not so complicated, right? It's like okay, yeah. you can keep your money like it is and you don't make any more money, or you can get your capital at work. And you get some return, but obviously you take some risk that whatever you invested it uh, don't pan out in some way. And typically, the higher the yield, it means that people would rather put their money in something else than that at equal yield, right? And this is why that specific project or that specific investment um, needs to have higher yield to attract the capital. Yeah. And so that means that you're taking a bigger risk or at least that the market as a whole estimate that the risk is bigger. Right. And so either you, either you are like a specialist, you can estimate those risks very precisely and you can know when the market is wrong and go in there, but that requires you to look at that all day long and be very good with statistics and this kind of stuff. Like some people do that, right? But most people are just not going to be able to do that. Um, So for most people, the market is probably going to estimate those stuff better than they do. So what do you think? I mean, I think uh, you know, like uh, uh, a lot of us that
1: have been in crypto for quite a while, or or Bitcoin and and and, and Web three, whatever you want to call it these days. But we've been in this area for quite a while, and we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate to learn some lessons at a much lower price. You know, when Bitcoin <laughs> was a lot well, that price, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but but is is. In my view, uh, you know, I find that the educational system for financial self-control, self-management, right, managing your own finances, why do we not have an education system that teaches people really early on how to evaluate, you know, higher yield, higher reward. Using credit card, you pay a lot more interest. Using a, a bank loan, you could get it. This is how you do that, right? So you can evaluate the different processes and then have a bit of, in order to bake a mortgage, I need to have this much earning. It's going to take me 30 years to pay off. This. How do we get better in terms of educating
2: people versus just doing it on ourselves and learning as we go along? I think it's a very difficult problem to solve because people who are good at those things don't end up being teachers usually. Right, yep. because there are other things that they could be doing that are much more valuable. <laughs> right, and, <laughs> and so so you like the economic forces are playing against having good education for these kind of of subjects. So I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how to solve that. Like right, an investment oh. banker, for instance, is gonna make way more money than a teacher. And so yep. if you are knowledgeable about those kind of topics, you would rather be an investment banker than be a teacher.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, um, one angle to look at it. I mean, the other area was just really, um, Yeah, it's the curriculums themselves, you know, are still also equally antiquated. You know, they're just so old. We're learning stuff that the same process that we've been learning and frameworks that we've been having for
2: centuries. Yeah. And we live in a very different age. I think we have a bit of a, we have a bit of an opening because now there is a lot of online teaching. And yep, online yeah. teaching have different economics, right? Because it can have economics of scale. I can yeah. make a course online and sell it to 10,000 people. And it's just as good as, uh, you know, teaching it to like 10 people. Whereas if I'm in the classroom teaching people directly, obviously, if there are 10 people in the classroom, they're going to get the higher quality product or higher quality education than if there is you know, hundreds of people in that room. Yeah. So, yeah. so online teaching scales much better. And so maybe there is an opportunity for people who understand those topics to be able to reach a wider audience and make it worth their their time and efforts to do that versus whatever else they could be doing. Um, so maybe that's an opportunity, though. What we see on that front as well is like it's not so great right now. Um, because those courses are more like, oh, you can become a billionaire in like two weeks. Uh, <laughs> if you follow yeah, my, right, my right. secret it's... techniques, you know, um, which once again is like, I don't know, I didn't take those courses, but it doesn't seem very credible <laughs> that you could do that. Um, but I guess eventually, no, but I... we had
1: we, we had like innovations with like Khan Academy and, and YouTube channels, right? And yeah, and sort of. Not, not just specific influencers but you've got code Academy right you've got all these different types of academies that are built out online or um, EF you know what's that, the online learning for language English language
2: mm-hmm. and stuff like that so people have done curriculums that really work and no there is a big how, boom happening in that in that area yeah. uh, that's a very promising market it's really growing right now Uh Mostly because the economics of teaching in that way are very different from the traditional way, and that makes me hopeful that someone is going to tackle, you know, financial question in that manner and, and yeah. provide a high quality, you know, financial education that way. Because the economics can work that way, and the traditional way there is no way, like unless someone decides to sacrifice themselves, it's just not going to work, and you cannot get people to like. Maybe there are some people that are going to be passionate about teaching those stuff and that are willing to make less money to do that. But this is not something that scales, right? Like you cannot expect a lot of yeah. people to do that. So, so you need something that works economically. And and that to me is sort of really where I feel, you know,
1: one of the reasons why we got into this was the old system of financial systems don't work right they are broken in Mm -hmm. 2008 why did why did bitcoin come to fruition because we need a new system versus the old system and we're sort of now at i feel an inflection point again you look we're back another economic crisis because of the mismanagement the old systems don't work right and now we're trying to oh, 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 we need the institutions to come into Bitcoin, and oh, let's change these new systems that we built to fit to the old system so that the old guys can come into this new new platform. And it's like, hang on, hang on, hang on, no, 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 no. Why should we do that? We're already more transparent. We're already more independent. We've all learned all the people involved in crypto are true believers and are engaged and are knowledgeable about financial management, about how to tackle FOMO maybe not all of us sometimes still we all jump in on a specific project but we all hold each other accountable we know that we do our own research verify trust and verify you know sort of elements and things like that so
2: I'm, I'm 100% now, with you yeah. here I'm 100% yeah. with you um, I think this is something we've seen maybe over the past five years or so in the crypto space there have been like some kind of turn where um, crypto won't kind of like to be like an extension of the traditional financial system more than yeah. build-up and I think it's it's a huge mistake, uh, but it's going to have to get worse because it, before it gets better, I think. You know, like people, better, better. they don't quite realize that at, at this point in time. Like there is something, actually, I was talking uh, with uh, with someone uh, Monday about that, like we had a crypto discussion and we we're talking yeah. about the early, very early day of the cypherpunk movement and when the you know yeah. White Piper came out and, you know, say anything before 2013, you know, something like that. Yeah. And one thing that people really don't realize now is why, you know, at the time, like everybody wanted to be anonymous, including Satoshi Nakamoto. And it was like very um uh, very fishy by today's standard right and why people were like that well you got to realize that before Bitcoin there have been numerous attempts at exactly there have been numerous attempts at creating uh <laughs> non-government currencies and stuff like that and all of them they got like pretty like real quick and real intense reaction from various authorities like is our government or central yeah. banks or whatnot uh, like people would get into a meeting at the central bank or at some government agency, like within a week of launching the project. And they would be telling them like, okay, you need to stop your stuff or you're going to jail. (laughs) Basically, that was what those meetings were boiling down to. And, And for some reason, this has not really happened with the current crypto ecosystem. And I think people have forgotten that. Um, But because people have forgotten that, they have started building their ecosystem in a way that is much more susceptible to this kind of attacks, right? Like Bitcoin itself is very resilient to this kind of attacks, but most of the DeFi systems that are being built nowadays, for instance, are not at all resilient to... And we see that for uh, Tornado.cash, for instance, is a good recent example, where uh, people build that system where... Basically, you can send money to the system, and it's gonna send you back the same amount, but to some other address. And because it's doing that with many people at the same time, it's very difficult to track whose money is who. And it's a way to provide some privacy on the chain. Uh, but the people behind it uh, right now are in some legal trouble, even though they didn't do anything illegal per se. But like the the accusation behind, like so, the guy behind Tornado Cash is like you know is there is a court case going on right and we don't know it's gonna pan out but there is a court case going on and Mm. what is being accused of is kind of like the equivalent of holland yeah it's in holland and it's kind of the equivalent of involuntary manslaughter but for you know financial stuff right it's like okay you didn't do anything wrong but you built a system that have helped other people do something wrong and and you had a reasonable expectation that those people would do so, and therefore we consider you maybe responsible. It's it's gonna depend on what you know the judge decides and how the case goes, but like potentially you are co-responsible for that because you provide them a tool that that they use that help them. And um I mean, obviously don't agree with those kind of stuff, but you got to realize like this is <laughs> this is how the legacy system works and this is how they are going to get at you when you build those kind of, of financial product. And we have forgotten that quite a bit. And as, as we welcome more and more of that word in, I think at some point it's going to bite us in the ass. Uh. Because you know, yeah, and you you look at you look at that system, right. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, especially right now there is an economic crisis, and you don't know they're gonna react, right? Like there is high inflation stuff, and maybe like if a lot of people start going in crypto because of that, the government are gonna be like, okay, we were tolerating that thing on the side because it was not so big and it was not so damageable to our own currency that we control. but maybe you now if many people are flocking to it because of inflation, we want to crack down on it. Like you never know. You never know if those people are going to react. Motives. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, just on that point, right? I mean, again, it just highlights that why do people in crypto land use that service, right? When I send money to somebody with a wallet, you can see my wallet information. You can see the funds I have in that wallet. You can see the transfers I do from that wallet. You have everything visible right away, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so in, in the event I want to send money to somebody, but I don't want them to know that it's from my wallet with all my details and all my accounts and all my funds in there. I would like it to go through a centralized, you know, so through a service that, that, that hides my, my bank account, right? Yes. In the end, how many people, and there's a whole industry that's grown in the banking industry, the traditional world where your bank account details are totally private. Nobody can see it. You need a court order to go and see Omri's bank account with Credit Lyonnais, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. They can't just go and look at it and nobody else can see it. Whereas in crypto land, you can see my wallet. You can see my whole bank account if you want to. Right. If you get my address and you know it's mine, you can then see that. Right. And you can see everything I have. And in some cases, people want to make transfers. And I provided a tool to make that possible. You go to jail for providing that tool or and, and is that correct right is that a world we've come to no I, where yeah. we don't want innovation anymore right we're stopping innovation
2: I don't think this is but I think the, the the thing that government are worried about there is not that people have some privacy or not it's 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 that they don't have a special position in there right because yeah. I cannot see the detail of your bank account. But some government authority yeah. can issue like there is a process. Obviously, they cannot do it willy-nilly, but they can emit yeah. a court order and and go with it to the bank, and the bank is going to share with them the information about your account. I cannot do that, but the government can do that. Um, yeah. Whereas when it comes to crypto system, nobody has a privileged position in those system, right? If you want to have privacy and you use privacy tools, I cannot see your financial information but the government cannot see it either right and they're gonna to have to revert to traditional ways of tracking crime and stuff like that i think you know the, <laughs> the authority have become a bit lazy as uh, many of the payment became electronic right because before they would have to do an investigation like say you're selling drug for instance right so what yep. would happen before is that they would do an investigation into you and try to prove that okay, you you buy drug from that guy and you sell it to those people and yeah, you know, and they build the case and then they go to court against you because you're selling drug, right? But no, what what they would do is that they would suspect you to sell drug. They would sell a subpoena to your bank, get all the banking transfer, see who you buy it from, who you sell it to. You like the the whole the whole investigation became much more simpler right and the like if you have privacy through crypto they're gonna have to revert through uh you know traditional investigation method but i don't think that's a i don't think that's a bad thing per se like i would understand if if i were the one investigating obviously you know i would be preaching for my own church and say well you know this is much worse and yada yada right but I think for society as a whole, it, it's probably better.
1: But also, I mean, it, it, if if you are an investigator, you know there are really good tools out there to really do your work, right? And and, and I think. Like you've said, my view is, you know, you can go to chain analysis and find out all the wallets, who are the wallets. I mean, they pretty much know most of the wallets out there already, where the it, coins are, what coins are where, right? I mean it really depends yeah, on the I chain
2: know. and on the system and sure. and, and sure. what people like what step people take to ensure their privacy. But for yep. a large part. for a large portion of the user, what they are doing is fairly transparent and if you go to a company like chain analysis, they're gonna be able to to tell you a lot of information. So in many ways- And if
1: I found a wallet address that I really, oh, this is really weird. This has got some really weird transaction. I don't like that. I need to go and find out, mm-hmm. can you do that? Then then maybe you can go and do your homework and figure it out and find the tools, build the tools to make that possible versus hiring an army of 17 lawyers to go after a little developer who built a a, a programming language that enabled Um, And, you know,
2: the degree to which people use those other tools to make things more opaque is also going to be dependent on the degree of perceived legitimacy of the people, you know, doing the law enforcement. Right. Because if the chain analysis is used to catch real criminal people that most people think that, you know, what they are doing is, is bad and should be banned. Then people are gonna be okay with it and are gonna be willing to have like a low degree of of privacy, you know, like enough so that if I send money to you, you don't know all my financial details. But someone like chain analysis could figure it out, right? Like most people are gonna be okay with that. But if you start, say, blocking payment to political opponents or movement that you don't like, say the the trucker convoy in Canada, uh, or or WikiLeaks, yeah. or whatever. Like if you start doing this kind of stuff, people are gonna be like, "Uh oh," you know. <laughs> if they are doing that for for the truckers today, they may be doing that for me tomorrow because I disagree with this or that, right? And and when you have that happening, people are gonna use much stronger privacy tool. and you saw that in the peer to peer ecosystem right? Like file sharing and stuff like that. At the beginning, people used Napster and Napster is very transparent. um, And the government were able to crack down on it because they were like listening to the industry, like the entertainment industry quite a bit that wanted to crack down on that. But the result of cracking down on Napster was not that people stopped doing file sharing, right? It means that they started using... Chadelmia and Emule and BitTorrent and all those other protocols. Kazan, yeah, all
1: these other protocols. That are
2: yeah. way harder to block, right? <laughs> and, and BitTorrent is still going strong today and I can still get like any kind of show or music or whatever that I want on there. What effectively, like, it's not as used as it was, say, 10 years ago. And the main reason for that is not because the crackdown on those technologies was successful. They are still there. They are still working. They work very well. The reason people using are using them less today is that no, I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime, I have you know like a bunch of of services that provide me uh, good content, good entertainment um, for for a reasonable price, and so people don't want to go through the hassle of using those stuff. So this is like there is a big lesson for authority to learn from that if. if they are leveraging those stuff in a reasonable way and whatnot people are probably going to be fine keeping using technology that have a low degree of privacy but if they start to crack down on that in a way that is perceived by the population as illegitimate everybody's going to switch to Monero or zcash or whatever and everything is going to turn completely opaque very quickly but
1: i mean just switching the topic a little bit right and and you know i mean I think certain regulation is not bad, right? And I think some suggestions, for example, like Sam Bankman-Fried made around how to treat, you know, hackers um, and, and how to sort of make hacking sort of a bad thing. I mean, which is basically in a way you could sort of look at it as, you know, outlaws in the Wild West that would go and rob a bank, right? And, and you know, maybe the bank wasn't 100% secure, but they robbed that bank and stole that bank and that became a bad thing. And how do you do that? Because in some events, they're actually improving the code base because they've identified a flaw in the code, which allows me to then improve the code that I've worked on, e.g. improve the security system in my bank that I had in, you know, the Wild West in the old days. Um, As such, how do I reward them, right? So there are certain elements that are not bad and and can be adopted, right, Um, to stop and make it harder for bad actors.
2: Yeah, but... Um, I would expect, for the most part, those things are already legal. Yeah. So I don't know how much extra regulation we need for them. Uh, maybe you know, like okay. it's, it's going to depend on on each country and the the, the, the regulation that yeah. already exists. Which jurisdiction, but, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm definitely not a lawyer, so maybe I'm completely wrong there. But I would expect that most yeah. of those things are already legal. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I I mean, I think it's just idea. I I like the idea and the suggestion he
1: made. But then on the flip side, right, I mean, there's I look at where if you look at where Bitcoin came, I mean, you since 2009 or, or, you know, or even 2013. And today, all of the governments around the world are really, I, I, I think they're scared of where cryptocurrencies can go. They don't know where it's going. It's beginning to starting, it's beginning to impact their decision-making. And it's so much so that when Jerome Powell goes on stage and I need to make decisions based on cryptocurrencies as well, all of a sudden in 10 years, this currency has now made an impact at the top levels around the world. And now so much so these guys are now coming up with this CBDC, which is their digital currency equivalent of what crypto uh, their own cryptocurrency i mean it, i mean is it really at all a cryptocurrency and i know you've I mean, been warning about that but yeah i've been worrying about that for years
2: um yeah well yeah. it really depends on you define cryptocurrency but from a technological yeah. standpoint it's not so different from bitcoin right um yeah. the main difference is obviously that it's run 100 percent by the central bank and um and and they're gonna see like transparency it- every single transaction that happens so as, as you pointed out, like right now, if they want to have your financial information, they're going to have to go through a court and that give a court order that they can, you know, bring to the bank and have the information that way. Uh, with the CDBC, it's like open by default, at least for the central bank. Yeah. Uh, plus it's complete control as well. It's like if, if they don't want your payment to go through for whatever reason, um, they, they can block it as well, which means that Like think about it, like the consequences of that are pretty dire because say the government for some reason wants to like, wants to be hostile to you or whatever, right? And we have like plenty of example in history or even today of government that are very hostile to their population. So it's not like it's a crazy assumption to make. Like that's something that has happened many times in many parts of the world. Um, What they can do today is just like, okay, we stop processing payment for you. Right, no payment processing yeah. for you, and suddenly you cannot buy food, you cannot pay rent, and like you are a nomless person, out. Like you're yeah. completely out of society and destitute from one day to the next, and it doesn't matter how much money you had to begin with. You can be a millionaire, you can be a billionaire, for that matter. If if they exclude you from that system and it's widespread in terms of use, you're gonna be destitute and nomless from one day to the next. Um, so so. I don't think anyone should have this kind of power, quite frankly. Um that <laughs> like I don't see any So let me play I don't see anything good coming out of that.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean me neither, but playing devil's advocate, right? And and sort of um I look at people and say, Oh, the government would never do that, right? They don't have that interest in mind. They were only protecting us against bad actors,
2: right? We trust them and or, or you know, yeah, so well uh, um, Quite clearly, I mean, like yeah. if you look at every election. So first, like for most of the world, that's clearly not true, right? Like many governments yeah. in the world are authoritarian, but you could say, okay, maybe in the West where we have more freedom or whatnot, this is better, right? But you can see people screaming at every election that your political opponent is literally Hitler and whatever, right? And maybe your guy is in power right now and you are you're, you trust him and, and you are confident that he's not going to abuse the system, at least not in the way that you think is bad but in a few years your political opponent is going to be in there and do you trust them well probably not right and and also can you predict what the political climate is going to be in like 10 or 20 years right like maybe there is a fair amount of freedom right now like you got to think most dictators in history have been elected right like some of them did the political coup and whatnot but by and large, historically speaking, most of them are elected, right? Like Mussolini was elected, Hitler was elected, Franco was elected. Like many of those yeah. guys, they were they were elected. Um, so, so who says that? You know, like right now, it doesn't look like it's the case in the West. But who said that in twenty or twenty-five years um, there is some dude like that that comes around and and people fall into the trap and and elect them? Well, you you don't know, and there is not a good way to. Interesting. Protect against that, right? So so maybe it would be okay if you were to roll out that technology tomorrow because you trust your government. But once it's there, it's there, right? Like it's not, once you open that door, it's open. You cannot go back. Yeah, and and to your point,
1: right? At some point, some sort of regulation might change at some point. If that does change, change. What does that mean? And, and, and given that power of central bank digital currencies coming into a new regulatory leadership, what does that mean and how can they take control of it? And what will they do? With it? Yeah, right? I mean, like
2: um, it's like the ring of power, right? <laughs> it, it's The power is just too great. It's going to attract bad things. It's, it's a matter of time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, yeah. So like, you know, um, you're a you political
2: know, just, guy and your position is not so great. You might not be relicted next time or maybe you did something fishy and you're going to end up in jail or whatnot. And you're like, well, I can just do it this one time and put my political opponent into trouble and I get to put like a token for five more years where I can get by, right? Like at some point, the temptation for someone is just going to be too great to not do it.
1: Yeah. And, 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 I mean, anyway, yeah. So I think that's a, another really good reason why we should really be cautious of this. And in fact, try to really limit this growth. I mean, I, I, I don't see it. I think the powers that be, um, are really going to push this hard, right? I mean, yes. look at I mean you saw the new Prime Minister in the UK, G seven, we all agree
2: to, to award. I think this is gonna happen. I think this is gonna happen because the the counter power against that is really the crypto space. But when you look at yeah. most of the people talking about C D B C now, they're not like, Oh, you need to use crypto, uh whatever. They're like, Oh, C D B C is bad for freedom, we need to fight against it, yada yada. But you don't fight yeah. against it by bitching on Twitter. Like I'm sorry, but <laughs> you you fight against it by creating a counter power that is that is big enough. And I, like moving. when I look at how fast those CDBC are moving, and I, I don't see the ideas of using something that's speculating in the mainstream fast enough. So I think it's it, it's gonna happen. Um, I think it's going to happen, and we're going to have to fight that as the underdog. Yeah. Like, this is, for me, this is one of the biggest deception, you know, like, not deception, but disappointment um, of of the crypto space. I think, you know, we had a good opportunity because it's it's 14 years old now, right? And we had a good opportunity, but at some point we were like, okay, we want to use that more as an investment vehicle than actually digital cash and that leave the door open for well if you don't want to take that market then you know the cdbc is gonna take it and and well that's how it is right like you cannot change history but i think it's it's probably too late now for crypto to be a major actor on that front at least you know i mean in the short term initially in long term i'm more i'm more um, optimistic yeah because i think you know when it starts hurting, people are going to realize that, you know, maybe it's good to use something else, but I think it's going to have to start hurting for people to get back to those ideas. A lot
1: of people. Exactly. I think Pink Floyd have a good name. It's comfortably numb, right? So I'm comfortably numb, right? So it's like, until you actually feel the pain, you're going to stay comfortably numb, right? I'm comfortable. I'm okay. I just be blind to it. Mm -hmm. You can hit me a couple of times. I won't feel it, but yeah, I think we're going to have to feel the pain.
2: What is scary to me, though, is that by the time there is enough pain, is it possible to get out? It's going to be like, because it's your money, right? Like you're literally paid to stay in. <laughs> Can you afford to get out yeah. by that point? Yeah, that's
1: that's that's the thing. You're just so sucked into the system. But, I mean, I do feel that, you know, sort of you and I, I mean, you've gone through a number of cycles, right? Crypto cycles, mm-hmm. ups and downs. and uh, four or f- four or five of them. I don't know how many, but we've we've gone through a number. Um, how, you know, and and every time in a bear market, I found that it's really brought together. Sort of, I call them the TBs, the true believers, right? That have really sort of stuck into it and really tried to put through it. And it's been more about the utility of DeFi, decentralization, peer-to-peer electronic cash systems that has really come out and and really. That's what strikes home versus just purely an investment asset, right? It's mm. a new asset class. We have to invest. It's like a stock. No, it's yeah, like I a always currency trading. I always found it's the like- bear
2: market to be the interesting, the the more interesting part of of those cycles. Yeah, like definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. The the bull market are usually a lot about hype and you know, last time it was like NFT and whatnot. The previous time it was yeah. ICO and like. Each time you have something that is being hyped, but it's it's never really the thing. And um, and but but when the price goes down, then all the people that are hyping whatever they all go away, and whatever remains are the people that are <laughs> steadily building for years. But those are actually the people that move the space forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think you know it's like that's that's it, right? I mean, it's it's how do we move the space forward? How do we collaborate? How do we build this new system and allow people to opt into it right and there are ways of turning the actions into sort of new terminal right web 3 it's a much softer word um, the network nation right so we've got this whole new ecosystem blowing, blowing up around oh i can build a nation of across of people people basically in the common interest not necessarily where they are in a sort of mm-hmm. piece of paper with a red line around it, right? But actually, oh, look, we're all collaborating around a common project. Next time you come to my island, you can stay at my house and and you, can st- you know, and vice versa and stuff like that. So
2: yeah, there I think are this collaborations is collaborations that are happening. This is, this is how we move forward with it. Like We're going to have to create yep. those communities of people that know each other and trust each other and that know how to use tools outside of the traditional financial system. Those are gonna be the, the group of people that allows us to get out of the um, of the C D B C nightmare or Pineopticon. Yeah. And yeah, you cannot do that alone. Like you need yep. you need to have a social group of people that are into crypto, but that are into using it, you know, like because if all you do is flipping coins on an exchange, um, I have nothing against that, by the way, but if this is like all you do and all you know to do, you don't have the basic tools that you will need to circumvent CDBCs.
1: Yeah, so so everybody, get involved in
2: DeFi, learn about
1: the power learn of the Learn how to use it, systems. really. Like, <laughs>
2: use it. And use Not it. through... Yeah, use the tools. Not through an exchange or through a party that does it for you, but learn to actually use it. It's... It's very important and it's where the battle for your freedom is. And it's super exciting to see in a lot of the
1: universities the number one classes that people are attending and looking to study is around blockchain, right? So a lot of Programming, software skill sets, programming language, education e- ecosystem is really growing to support more education in how to use these tools and build utility value off the back of these. Because yeah, these I, are new
2: systems for a modern world, right? Yeah, I actually did a f- few intervention in, in various uh, engineering schools in France on, on the matter, and there's definitely interest, uh, like 100%. <laughs> So thank you, Omri.
1: This is really good. Um, super exciting times. You know, it's like
2: struggling times. We're mm-hmm. gonna have some hard times in front of us. Um, but it's the bear but market. If it we're easy. It's the bear market. Exactly, but but... <laughs> here is the thing, though. People think it's bad. They have not gone through the previous one. Like I remember yeah. the bear market around 2014, 15, uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bad with date, but yeah. in in that era, there was a bear market that and, and people were committed suicide and stuff. Uh, the price went down by more than ninety percent. No, we're like, oh, 70 percent, it's really bad. Well <laughs> we got we got to like 95 percent sometime in, in previous bear markets. So those are those are still pretty rough, but they're getting softer every time. So you know? Yeah, and
1: Yep, exactly. Let's let's we learn with it and 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 look at what yeah. it does do though. It brings together a lot of the people that were suffered through those downtimes that really work together to really try and build better. Yeah, it also services, like separate utility.
2: what was hype and what, you know, is actually something solid re- enough that it can power through this kind of difficult time. Yeah. And we're still early in this industry, right? This is super
1: early. I mm. mean, we've got so much opportunity in front of us, um, and and that's why I'm super excited to be having spoken to you again, and um, super excited in this industry. I think we can still make a change, and we can drive this change, and you know, um, oh, it's it's just uh, the beginning. We have and to drive this change.
2: Yeah, it's like the way I see it. It's going to be a multi-generational. Um, Endeavor, right? Because you're not gonna change money and the whole financial system in five years, right? It just doesn't happen. There is there is a force of habit there that is too strong, there are cultural elements. So it's so it's gonna take like at least a generation for that to become the main, you know, the main economic system. It's probably gonna take a couple. Uh so where' definitively early. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think there's, there's just
1: so much um, to do. I think, you know, we still need to um, provide alternatives and, and maybe we need to go back to getting the community more engaged in this, right? I mean, they, they banned ICOs for a simple period of time because they thought everything was a scam. But in a way, you know, I mean, a lot of these were ICOs, right? I mean, a lot of the real you know, Avalanche came out Mm -hmm. of a community sale, right? I mean a lot of these great
2: protocols and Bitcoin was a ICO just like DeFi was like 90% scams, but like Ethereum also like was an initial coin offering um Avax as well as you point out like several several big reputable projects that run today were also ICOs so you know many scams, but not just scam. Like and, and the few, like few of them that were not scam ended up doing very well and and have a very big impact. So that's why and that's so why you don't you want, want to blanket ban yeah. those stuff, right? Exactly. You want you to leave the opportunity to people to uh, learn how to distinguish the scam from the good stuff better, and that cannot happen if you ban it. In
1: venture capital, they call it a ten-bagger, right? So they need one investment to return back the ten, you know, the nine bad investments they did, because that tenth investment made paid off for all the ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, one investment out of ten paid off for all those ten investments. So nine go bad, one does really well, and and I think crypto is no different, right? I mean, in fact, I think I think that we. The odds are actually better if you do your research, you find out who the team is, talk to builders who are working in this space to help you find out the quality of a specific project, and maybe talk to two or three. You can't just go in one person anymore and get your opinion from there. Oh, go into that one. Why? Oh, I don't know. They went in and then don't go in, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's paying you 19% APY. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go in. Um,
2: you yeah know, you want to you want to look at the people behind it especially like if they've done rug pool in the past or if they have no past whatsoever you want to be a bit uh, yeah. a bit careful obviously having good people behind the project is never a guarantee of success but it's also it's already a guarantee that it's not a scam right which yeah which is already um which is already something and and you know if you follow that you are not going to invest in scam, you invest into several of them. Some of them are going to pan out and pay for the one that don't. Uh, so you're good. Yeah, exactly. That, that's part of investing as well. Um, it's, it's some, yeah, like you be, you want to be somewhat diversified and you want to be um, like, you want to be cognizant of the fact that sometimes good that just don't work for whatever reason, it's not the right time. It's They know it was... the the right thing didn't happen. Like there is always a degree of luck in success, right? Um, I I don't believe... Right time, right place. Yeah, sometimes you just need to be at the right time at the right place and somewhat at a similar ID, but they were not at the right time at the right place and and it didn't work for them, right? So um, there is obviously like hard work and and having a good vision all of that is important, but there is also a degree of luck um, and... So you need to be cognizant of that, and it's not just because you have, you know, people that you consider to be serious and whatnot working on it, like it may not pan out. But on the balance of probabilities, you know, you invest into several of them, you make sure that those are serious people, uh, you're probably going to do good.
1: No, super glad. Um, Thank you, Omri, for your time Um, and your insights. uh, Super experienced, um, hardcore developer. Where can people go to follow you and, and, and what should they you know, what do you want them to look up and, and find out more about eCash and about your your ideas and inspirations?
2: Yeah, so if they want to learn more about eCash, uh, e.cash is going to be the website and there are going to be linked with various social media on there or Telegram groups and stuff like that. Um, so like it's eCash official on Twitter. There is a Telegram group with a bunch of people in it. You know, there is one for developer, one for more of the wider community. Uh, and there are like several of them also in, in several languages, uh, because, you know, (laughs) it turns out, you know, many people speak different languages. (laughs) Yeah. So the main one is a bit international in English, but then we have like local communities. Uh, if they want to hear about me, uh, it's going to be digital nix pretty much anywhere on, you know, Twitter or, uh, GitHub or, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you, Omri. Super glad. Super exciting. Um, and, but more than and, listening to yeah, me, people like for- just learn to use it. That's really what's going to be. Yeah. That's really what's going to be useful to you in in the next several years.
1: So learn to use it, guys. Hmm. Check out eCash. Uh, learn to use it and learn to use all the different services and find out what works, what doesn't. Be cautious. Don't go
2: all in in one go. Um, you know, yeah buy small amounts so that you can play with them and get a sense of how that works if you know you see that you know it works well and does what you expect then you can go with bigger amounts
1: yeah so thank you thank you again and, and talk to you thank soon you for on. having
2: me
0: This was Stefan Roost and Amory Seche. You can follow Amory on Twitter at dedelnix That's D E A D A L N I X, and eCash at Ikash Official, that's eCashOfficial. That's E C A S H Official. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at sRoost99. That's S R U S T double nine. And you can find the Super Excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel.